Yo, is this thing on? Man, whatever. Walk with me. Welcome back to Walk with TFB. Tim Bryson here, and as y'all know, I'm a Black millennial who's eager to have unfiltered conversation with authentic people centered on education, sport, and culture. Today, we are walking with a college athlete advocate, academic leader, and proud dad. A California native, our guest was a standout high school football athlete, ranking as one of the top running backs in his class. His athletic prowess and commitment to academics led him to Cal Berkeley, where he competed as a college athlete for two years before transferring to the University of New Mexico. While in New Mexico, he played football and pledged Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated and route to earning his bachelor's degree in communication and journalism. After working in news for a couple of years, he returned to UNM and earned his master's degree in sport administration. Our guest has meaningful experience across many different areas in higher education. He's a former coach, graduate student leader, and current academic counselor and student athlete development coordinator at the University of New Orleans. Coupled with his life journey and belief in the power of education, in 2020, he partnered with New Mexico's African-American Student Services Office to start a scholarship that would provide financial assistance to undergrad students at the institution. Since its inception, he has awarded more than $2,000 in scholarship money. This man is all about impact, all about impact, but more importantly, he is strong, he is able, and he is himself. And he is learning how to invest in himself while also sharing it with others. So without further ado, y'all help me welcome Trey Wine. Briggs. TB, TB, TB. What's goody, man? Hey. Hey, man. You t- you you 11 out of 10 on the introductions, bro. You, you know what I'm saying? It take a minute. I found your medium page. I was like, oh, let me go ahead and read through this real quick. Let me go ahead and read these three-minute, four-minute articles. I'm going to pull some other stuff out later. You already know, but how you doing, bro? No, it's almost been a long day. I'm, I'm glad we finally got. It's been a long 24 hours. To be honest, last 48 been wild. Yeah, bro, it's been a long day. Uh, nonetheless, you know, I've been looking forward to this since shoot early, early since since we got since we first got on. You know, the, since I got the less walk. You know, I, I ain't got my Asics on. I did tell y'all <laughs> about the Asics. Um, I do got the I do got the Air Jordan ones though. You know, so we we rocking with these. You know, good. Don't you inspire. Gonna pull the full size thirteen in there, but yo, man, I'm blessed. I'm good. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited about this conversation, boy. No, I am too, though. And I, like I said, I will say the last forty eight have been wild between everything we talked about before we got on the call. Um, but it's gonna be a great conversation. Um, you've been a loyal listener. You've been a loyal community member um, with Walk with TFB, and so you know how previous conversations have gone, which I believe will add some context to the conversation we're gonna have today. Um, as we get deeper into your story, but also the trending topics. Uh, but first things first, man, and I messed up last episode and asked it a little bit later. Why didn't I mess up? It's our shit. But first things first, what's bringing you joy right now? Man, what's bringing me joy right now? Um, I'll probably say, like, there's multiple things bringing me joy right now if we're keeping it, if we keeping it a buck. I think uh, one of the first things is, you know, my son, just like seeing him grow and develop and be the person that he is. And just like, he's just this dope little human being, bro. Um, You know, if if anybody follows me and and knows, like, I have no problem posting him and some of the 
theatrics that my guy has. Um, you know, this year brought me a lot of smiles because it was the first year that he was able to compete and play in sports. Um, and just seeing him, you know, you know, I'm thinking I'm about to be Kumo D out there, the cool dad with the Bluetooth, the Kango, and, the, you know, the Nike tech suit and just be chilling. But no, nah, bro, I'm over there volunteering when I'm in town. I'm over there. Hey, come on, let's go, let's go. I'm clapping the other kids' hands. Bro, I caught myself out here giving goodie bags and stuff. Like, was just, yes, bro. Caught myself up at the store. Like, well, let me get these Capri Sons. Did you cut the oranges? Did you cut the oranges? I didn't cut the oranges because, you know, the pandemic. So oh, I'm fair, gonna, fair, 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 fair. Let's put them in the fridge so they'd be nice and cold after. You know? <laughs> my parents was like, oh, my God. I was like, Isaiah, dad thoughtful. He could do this every week. And I'm like, no, no. This yeah. is just, I ain't been here for a little bit. So this is this is just what it is. But, uh, of course, man, he brings me a lot of joy. And then I would just say, man, just right now working with our students, like seeing them, you know, get through what we're currently going through in a pandemic, but also just like the hurricane, Hurricane Ida here, you know, seeing how that was sort of, that was second week of school. I think we was only in school for like a week and a half before that hit and really seeing them being able to bounce back in final season being here um, and gone. Yesterday was the last day, so blessings. But um, those are like my top two right now, really just seeing seeing growth. I'm, I'm really happy and was really giving me joy seeing these young cats and, and myself, friends, uh, my son, just everybody right now, just going through their phases and process of growth. Like that is what's bringing me joy is because, you know, they get to see it, they get to experience it. And then you see what they do after that. And it's like, that's pretty dope just seeing that on the other side. So yeah, bro, this is my top two. No, I'm glad you shared that, yo. And I honestly forgot about um, the hurricane. That was this semester. Yeah, August 27, bro. I told someone the other day, I said this 2020, yeah. This year, I feel like it's flown by. But if you remember that first, what, nine days, first 10 days, that was when the insurrection at the Capitol happened. Dang. That was this year. <laughs> Dang. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, bro. That was this year. The election bro. was 2020. Yeah, that was this year. This has felt like the fastest but slowest. And I don't know if it's been like fall, just fall semester or something, mm -hmm. but I felt like the last two and a half quarters of 2021 have sort of just dragged their feet. Like mm -hmm. it, it, we inch in there, we inch in there because if you put that, you, you're putting that in perspective for him. And I'm just like, nah, bro. Like I didn't even think that that was a January. I forgot that was January 6th. Yeah. Now yeah. you about to have that on my head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember we was all like 2020 over. Who can he get through a whole week in January? Like, oh, here we go. Right, right. 2021 said, hold on, hold my Budweiser. Hold on, man. We you know we drink better beer than that. You know we drink <laughs> at least the IPA, the stout, something, not the Bud Budweiser at that. I don't think there's IPAs there, but it's all good. It's all good. It's all good, homie. But check this out, man. Like I said, reading and you know, really doing research on you, but especially reading your medium uh website. Uh, you're a really good writer, number one. Let me make sure I say that on the record. But two, your story in different pieces, whether it's the scholarship piece, the football piece, about you know, it's not just a game. Things your mama told your story has been pieced together on the internet in many different ways on different platforms uh, but hearing it from yourself what's your story yeah man i think um that was a that was a question that i really thought about like how do i give do i give a short answer do i give a long answer do i give a good little in-betweener um i think the, the the sum of my story is is you know um embracing the process like i think at the end of the day 
Um, I, I carry embracing the process so, so hard and on my sleeve because I really don't know what the result is going to look like. Um, I don't know what hat I'm going to wear when it's all said and done. And to be honest with you, I don't know when it's going to all be said and done. So right now, I would say that my story is really about embracing the process. And I mean, that's coming up from, you know, just as a child um, with it, you know, some of the hardships that, you know, myself, my mother, my family had, it was always just a, a um, having to learn how to adapt and sort of understand like, okay, this is the situation we're in. How do we make this work? You know, not, not how are we going to make it work or how did we get here? It's we're here. So how do we make this work? So it didn't matter, man, whether it was us, you know, time to time living with my grandmother and, and, you know, being around my grandfather all the time to, you know, we got to take two, three buses across city just so she can get to work by seven and I can get to school, you know, ahead of time. We've always, you know, sort of figured it out. You know, my mother, I, I give her all that, all that credit. It's like you, you somehow, some way, every single time you figured it out. And she, we didn't necessarily have to have those conversations. Um, I think that I was able just to see it, you know, and learn from those experiences. So when it came to, you know, me being quote unquote, the man of the house, um, it really taught me and, and I didn't have a, a, a father figure really in the house. So a lot of it was really based off of, okay, well, how does my grandfather treat me? How does, how is my uncle, you know, when it comes to, you know, our relationship, um, the, 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 the number one quote of stay in a child's place, you know, it was hard for me to stay in a child's place because at the same time, I felt like I was, had more pressure put on me to do more than what a child had to do. Um, so it was just really about embracing the process, trying to understand things, trying to understand how did we get here and, and sort of where are we going? And then eventually growing up to just be like, okay, this is how it goes. So I think that, um, high school, you know, was like a real, real critical time for me because I was trying to figure things out. Um, I didn't know that I really liked sports. I just knew I was competitive. I just knew that I was competitive and I wanted to try hard. You know, as a kid, when people ask me, who did I want to be? I only had two answers. It was either Bill Pickett, the famous, you know, you know, rodeo uh, star, or it was going to be Emmitt Smith. Like those were just my two guys. And I'm not a Cowboys fan whatsoever, but I just love the deuce deuce at the time, which is crazy because I'm as the bros now I'm a deuce. So, uh, you know, it's it's always just been, you know, figuring out where and how am I trying to get to where I'm going to go. And I think high school played a very big piece in that football at a higher level. I was interested in journalism. Like, I didn't even know what journalism was. I just knew that I loved writing. I, I didn't really have a good hand for uh, art at all. So it was just like public speaking, you know, it wasn't really my thing. So I just wanted to write. I always wanted to be a person behind the scenes. And I think that playing football um, in a sense, in a way, I mean, to sort of cover my identity and things that I was struggling with and the processes that I was trying to embrace because I had a helmet on. You know, and behind that helmet, behind that shield, behind those pads, you feel protected and you feel like I'm not known as Trayvon, the kid that was from, is from Bacoima, California, um, that, you know, lives with his grandparents and doesn't have a bed or anything. I'm known as, you know, one of the top running back prospects in the country. Nobody else knows what's going on behind, behind these pads, behind these walls. So I felt like when I, when I attended high school and going throughout high school, I was trying to figure out who I was. And I think that sort of led into getting into different, um, I guess, activities and actually trying. 
I can honestly say that high school, I, I actually started putting forth effort in everything that I did, sports, um, friendships, relationships, um, just everything. Just try to have some type of good intentions. That was the thing. I didn't know what the impact was going to be. It was just good intentions. And um, that really led into my college career and starting to understand, you know, who am I? Who am I? I broke my leg my senior year. And that was like a, I always said like, dang, I don't even have the grades to go to a division one college. Like if everybody drops me right now, I will not be able to go. And I think the toughest part about, like I said, embracing the process and not knowing the result was, I remember I was supposed to, I was, I was an early admit for college and I was originally committed to USC. And I'll never forget maybe three weeks before I was getting ready to go off to school. Um, I was recovering from a leg injury. I got a phone call from somebody at the New York Times and, you know, I'm 17 years old. I'm just answering the phone. And uh, they was like, is this Trayvon Briggs from Birmingham High School running back? And I was like, yeah. And they was like, this is such and such from the New York Times. How are you? I was like, I'm doing good. How are you? And they were just like, yeah, I'm doing fine. Um, just wanted to see, do you have any thoughts about Pete Carroll leaving uh, USC to go to the Seattle Seahawks and become the NFL coach there? And I'm just like, wait, come again? Like, hold on. I just... I just saw this man a week ago. What are you talking about? Like, I'm literally, I signed, I'm going here. And um, that's how I found out that I wasn't going to USC anymore. Um, you know, and it was just like, okay, what do I do? Like, I got a broken leg. I thought I had a school that, you know, a coach that I could trust and was going to be there. USC was only 30 minutes away from the crib. So I'm just like, I'm home. I'm near my folks. And just like that, in the matter of a week and a half, I'm going to Cal Berkeley you know, and staying and, and really went there because the coach never, like he never flipped the script on me. He never changed. Even when I committed, Coach Ron Gould still stayed there, still talked to me, everything, didn't pressure me, was talking to me about church, my injury, everything. But when it happened, that's when I knew like, okay, so 30 minutes turned to six hours. Um, my mother was not happy about that because, you know, baby leaving the nest and, and her, her child or the man of the house is leaving. Um, so, you know, she may or may not have, you know, went up to Berkeley with me when I moved in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was tough for us. So, um, got up to Berkeley, you know, had two years, injuries, the transition, my first day of school, I got lost in Oakland. Mind you, I lived in the dorms, but this was like my first time taking the bus by myself in a, in uncharted territory. So, um, a coach had to come pick me up from the bus stop in Oakland. And I mean, I'm in Oakland, bro. Like Cal Berkeley sweatshirt. It's probably like 9 a.m. I didn't miss my first class. And, you know, he picked me up, started laughing. And he was like, young man, he was like, I'm gonna tell you this right now. You gonna have to understand how to adapt and what it's gonna take to succeed. He was like, you gotta be on your P's and Q's. He was like, I don't care what it's gonna take. I don't care how you make it happen. But if you are really trying to find success, especially at this level, you have to make things happen yourself. And he was like, you just gotta embrace that. And I think hearing that at 17 years old, um, that stuck with me forever. Like, no matter how it happens, how do I make it happen? If I sit there and I say, I'm gonna find a way, I'm gonna figure it out. It might sound like little words, but it's just like, nah, we're really gonna find a way. I'm really about to figure this out. And I'm about to donate all my time, affection, patience, and love to this. Um, so that's really what changed up a lot of me at Cal. And going through those injuries and starting to understand that College football is a business. I don't care what anybody says. It is a business. College athletics overall is a business. I will point blank period. 
um, when it, when I transferred, it wasn't hard for me to transfer because, you know, for me, for the most part, I didn't go to USC or I wasn't going to Cal because of a coach. I was going because of a school. And it took me some time to really understand that. But when I was being able to walk away and I was to go to a place like New Mexico, um, I knew I wasn't going because of a coach because I didn't even meet the head coach. Um, I took a two day visit and then came back home, packed my bags. And the following Monday, I was starting summer school. And it was over the summer, bro. So nobody was there. So I didn't meet no teammates, nothing. Like it was just my God brother. He was going to, to New Mexico as a freshman. My God mom was like, well, you know, how about you just come to New Mexico? You know, your, your God brother will, you know, be there and stuff. You got family there because you're God brother and we'll make it happen. And I was just like, all right. So <laughs> did summer school there. I think I took, yeah, I took a day and a half visit. Took a day and a half visit, bro. Didn't meet nobody but the director of football operations. I didn't even meet my position coach. Um, and I started, started right there. Like, you know, I even had my coach at the time from Cal hit me up. And he was just like, hey, I, would you like to come back and do a summer class? You know, need help. And I ended up finding out it was because of APR. And um, I was just like, nah, like I'm going to New Mexico. And he was like, well, how? You know, who put you in contact over there? So I gave him the rundown and he was just like, oh, so just that fast, huh? So he was under the assumptions that I was already talking to them. That's how fast it happened. Um, so, I mean, throughout all of those life, and we'll talk more about it later on, but those were some critical early moments that I was just like, all right, I really don't know what this process is about to look like. I don't know what it's about to be. I've only heard about Albuquerque, New Mexico on, I think, like Family Guy or The Simpsons at the time. Oh. Never even heard of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Never been, dog. And it was just like, we just gonna figure it out. What's the cards being dealt? And that was my whole mindset at 17 to even sometimes today is I'll adapt. Like I prided myself off of being able to adapt, which was just like a whole learning curve. But yeah, man, that's that's a little bit of the story of what's my story, but it's it, it plays into such a into such you know monumental moments in the rest of my life and how I am today. I appreciate you sharing. Um, obviously, part of it. Yeah. I definitely want to um, reaffirm and validate you even sharing about your financial struggles, um, because that's something that a lot of college students, I think more people than we think, face uh, and are challenged with. But we don't talk about it the same way we're talk, beginning to now talk about mental health, right? right? right. As far as like financial insecurity, not being able to pay for food, pay for the bus, the damn metro, like that's something that even a reason I've been talking about this more lately too, is like, how do we begin to introduce this conversation, but also introduce opportunities for change and for action to address financial insecurity, especially for athletes who are in a system that is revenue driven. But you mentioned that that was part of your story that led to some uh, monumental moments later in life. And I'm not going to move to segment two without you uh, talking more about your son and fatherhood. Uh, so talk to us more about, like, what is it like to be a dad, bro? For those who are aspiring and or other dads out there, like, talk to us. Yeah, man. So, bro, let me tell you, I was so head-ass. I was so head-ass before my son was born. Oh, you told me this shit, bro. <laughs> so, like, um, at the time, I was coaching. I was I was a graduate assistant at the LSU. University of New Mexico. I was an outside linebacker coach and uh, making that whopping 12,600 right on the spot. And, uh, you know, going to school, doing all these things and all this great stuff. And, you know, um, when I found out that I, I was going to be a dad, um, that's when the uh, 10th coach position opened up. 
Um, and that's when they were allowing, you know, okay, you can add a 10th coach on the, on the staff, fully paid, you know, and it's, you've seen what it, what it creates now. You got mm -hmm. all different positions that come in the name of a 10th coach. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, I was looking at, okay, well, I'm either be a linebacker or outside linebacker uh, coach. Um, but during the time, man, <laughs> that was like the most storied part of my life was 2016, 2017, because I had graduated in 2014. Um, remember graduating and like did not turn my, did not turn back. Like as soon as I got my degree, got in the car, got in my uh, 99 Dodge Neon, silver little bullet and, and drove all the way back to Los Angeles, which was a 12 hour drive in this small car. Um, and um, when I got the opportunity to come back as a GA, my linebacker coach at the time, you know, it's, it's crazy how life works. Um, I, was, I was actually a writer at USC, mm -hmm. doing sports journalism. Mm -hmm. um, and my defensive coordinator at Cal was at USC. So then, you know, the person that literally hired me for the job, he was doing all of USC's writing for rivals and he remembered me. Like, he was like, hold on, like, you literally was committed here. I remember doing interviews. Hey, if you can write this little write up, let's see what we can do. And um, that's how it came up. Like I showed him my uh, blog that my uh, senior capstone was on where I was just writing on different sports stories every week and literally getting those torn and shredded by my communication teacher and my journalism teacher. And she was just like, what the heck is this? Like, this is poochies, like, this is whack. Like, this is boring. I stopped after this. So I just started improving, improving, improving and finally got my choice, got my chance. So I got to cover USC volleyball, USC football. I got to cover the Pac-12 championships, football and track. Like I got to do so many amazing things in that little period of time while being a high school coach and working at Verizon. Was one of the worst sales reps ever, but my relationships and like conflict resolution was top five in the region. So they didn't fire me. Um, but other than that, could not sell a jetpack worth a damn. But got to coach football. I got to coach football, man. And like, I'm working with these dudes that are two years, that were two years under me. So, you know, I'm conflicted because it's like, damn, I got to scream at you from a coach perspective. And they looking at me like, damn, I got to listen to you from a coach perspective. But I created those relationships when we were playing together so mm -hmm. genuinely they knew where it was coming from. It wasn't, oh, Trayvon's trying to flip the script on me. Let me try him one time. Like, it was really on some, like, big bro type stuff. Mm -hmm. um, that helped me tremendously. I mean, it was 18-hour days. It was tough. Like, <laughs> it was tough, bro. That's, that's the most I can say. It was, like, the most toughest times of my life. And um, when I finally found out that I was going to be a father, um, I was going through a moment where I was just like, I love coaching, but I want to do more. Like, it's not about the money. Mm -hmm. I, how I can impact these kids outside of this, but how can I do something and stay close to sports, specifically football? And I just started writing, just started writing. and was just like, it was like I was almost looking for a reason to get out of the, the game. And I remember one time telling my strength coach, like, hey man, I really think I'm done with this. And he was just like, boy, all you know is football. You're not done. And that right there like triggered me. Like I still remember, bro, we was in period 14 of a 22 period practice. And when he said that, I was just like, oh, like they think that my identity is strictly only this. Like they think that I cannot do anything else outside of this. And I, I took that personal. Like it was really just like, oh, let me show you. And then the second wake up call was when I actually saw one of my coaches have twins. 
and he came back to practice after that they after they were born the same day the same day my g and everybody's like why like he, like we're as students and i'm a g i'm like bro coach why are you here he was like oh you know her mama at the her mama at the hospital with her the babies are good you know we got game day we got game day we got a five game winning streak like and that right there for me was like Oh, no, 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 because I, I I know your wife. That's not happening. Like, mm-hmm. like no, no. So mm-hmm. that was really like my motivation. Like, yeah, I got to I got to figure out a way to get out of here and um, ended up finding out I was having a kid and I was the most nervous wreck ever. But the way that I game planned for it was as if it, I was actually game planning for a game. So, you know, it was me. I bought the notebook put Isaiah's playbook one-on-one. I'm putting down the children's sizes. When do they need their uh, T-tap shots? All these different shots, all these different immunizations. Bruh, I'm putting, you know, what does the fetus look like? Like I'm checking all this stuff. I'm reading books, dog. Like I'm like, I've, I've at this point donated my time from being linebacker coach to being dad coach. Like I'm coaching myself to be a father. And um, flash fast forward, you know, I just figured out like, man, I don't, I, I want to be there for my son and mm-hmm. football's not happening. 18 hours a day, it's not happening. This is mm-hmm. super difficult. So I transitioned out. That's how I became, you know, chief of staff and graduate professional student association. Um, but when I became dad, bro, to answer your question, um, it was like, it's the most unreal feeling in the world. Like it took me to be honest with you, dog. It took me a year and a half to be able to describe the feeling like, and, and, I sometimes still can't find the words for it, but it was the biggest blessing. Like because of my son, and I'm I'm open to say it, because of my son, I go I go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, might hate it, I might hate it because sometimes I get told how it is, but I'll never forget, man. And this is why it's so essential to have real people in your corner. Because I remember telling my best friend, and I was like, bro, I want my son to be able to cry in front of me. I want him to be able to showcase his emotions, tell me when something's wrong. I don't ever want him thinking that he's not a man because he's expressing feelings other than anger or success. And I remember my, my boy was like, well, bro, how do you expect him to do something that his daddy don't do? And I just sort of gave him that side eye look like, like what? And we was on FaceTime and he was just like, bro, you don't do this. Like when, when it comes, when it gets tough and you start saying you're going to figure it out, you end up ducking off. You go ghost. We don't hear from you until things go back good. You don't let nobody in. Like we don't ever know when you know Trayvon is struggling. You know, and um, that like really made me mad because it's like, bro, first off, you're coming for me at a moment where you shouldn't be coming for me. But mm-hmm. second, you're actually tapping onto something that I know is absolutely true, and it's not something that I really want to you know explore. So I remember being like, all right, bro, I'll talk to you later. And I hung up on him. I don't think I talked to my dog like for maybe like two months after that, like to, to keep it a, a hundred. But I did go to therapy and like it was one of those things where I had to have that realistic moment. And now, you know, I think I approach my son so much better than how I was approached, you know, and, and, and how it was seen or how you're supposed to be a man or what man's supposed to look like and hold himself to. Um, because a lot of those things were conflicting for me because I would hear my mother talk about how a man is supposed to be a provider, do this, do that, do these things, but you're doing everything that you told me a man is supposed to be doing. So obviously I'm learning by example, a woman can do these things like by herself. It may not be, you know, easy. There might be a lot of nights that I caught you, you know, crying in the, in the room and stuff, but you've shown me by example that 
a, a woman can do these things. So it really opened up my head as a kid, like, well, I, I like what what can a man do that a woman really can't do? Because <laughs> like my mama has made it happen, bro. My mother has been my coach. My mother has been my 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 rock when she didn't realize it. I've seen my mother steadily go effort after effort. I've seen my mother code switch. I've also seen her keep it a buck and go off on somebody. I've seen my mother whoop ass at a gas station because somebody called her out of her name. So I'm just like, you're telling me these things, but I'm seeing you do them. So I grew up thinking this is what a human is supposed to do, man or woman. This is what they're supposed to do. This is the expectation. So for me and my son, man, the parenting is personal because it's just like, okay, what are some things that I, I saw from my mother? But what was also some things that situations that put us sort of in a, in, a, in a bind, you know, and how can I make sure, you know, one thing that it was for my son, I always tell him when he gets angry, hey, bro, breathe. Look at dad, breathe. Let's talk about it. And, you know, whatever I get out of them, sometimes I get, I don't know, you know, and, or, or sometimes I get a full explained answer. Why you say that? Well, I heard you saying it to your friend and y'all laughed about it. So I thought it was okay. And I'm just like, dang, so do I pop him or because mm. he's a sponge? Like, what else am I supposed to expect? You know, so being a father is about, you know, for any fathers or, or, or aspiring dads, bro, it's about trial and error. It is about trial and error. I have learned that it doesn't matter how much money I spend, how many flights I catch. All he wants is my time. It doesn't matter. All he wants is my time. Like, that's all he requires from me. That's all he, um, that's all he cares for. And um, it's an amazing feeling. It's an amazing feeling to feel, you know, to feel needed in, in, a, in a sense, but also not only needed, but knowing that your, your decisions make a far greater impact than what, you know, just you. So uh, yeah, bro, fatherhood, man, it's amazing. It's amazing. And it's crazy that it's only year four. It's crazy that it's only year four. Man, you talking about it, give me hype, bro. But the conversation you just said, uh, that you just shared with me, particularly about gender roles and like what a man is supposed to, I just talked to my mom about this shit. <laughs> I think that's no dead ass, bro. But I think that's why, and we see it on on, on fucking like um, TikTok and Twitter, and Instagram. Like, yeah. if you're not buying my flight, then you ain't got nothing. Time. You ain't buying whatever. But like, I've been explicit in saying I don't believe in like stereotypical gender roles. Yeah. And but until you explain it the way you just explained it, that's when it hit me. It's like that's why. Because yeah. to your point, I seen Leslie go off. I seen it. She coached my basketball team. We didn't win any games, but shout out to Ma. He was a great coach. But like I've seen, like, I've seen it. So I'm like, yo, like, why is it, why is it on me? I've seen it all, bro. I've seen it. But I want to stay on that for a second, right? And, and take it to segment two, because I love education, uh, particularly learning, because it can happen in different ways, different spaces, different orgs. And from my experience, you are one of the more, whether it's due to therapy, growth, fatherhood, one of the more hmm, healthy, masculine, omega men that I've ever met in my life. <laughs> you know right. what hold on let me, let me finish let me finish this thought though let me finish this thought and i'm and i think part of that is because d9 especially the fraternities every fraternity has their own like stereotype that either we play into that try to get in or you play into because we don't know who we are how to stand up for what we believe but like literally speaking bro like you you exhibit that and you showcase that with the world in your own way but my question before we get into uh fraternity life right fatherhood this impact scholarship 
is why did you pledge and or what made you interested in joining a fraternity, especially given that in most cases, right, people look at sport as community building, brotherhood, opportunity to do service. It's like, why pledge? Undergrad. Yeah, so first off, um, and it sounds so just like typical, but I was around, I was around D9 members growing up through sports. Like, you know, a lot of um, my most critical moment was my uncles, Matt, Matthew Clark and Matt Ware. They played at UCLA um, in early 2000 to 2004, 99 to 2004. And um, I remember I was at a UCLA football camp. Mind you, my mother, she went to, she ran track at the University of Nebraska, Lincoln. Um, so all five, one of her, but don't tap. <laughs> Just, just speed. I've been blessed to see some of her videos, like all that, and just be like, dang, like my mom was really, you know. And we talk about sacrifices. My mother, when she when she had me, she was training for the Olympics. And her coach pretty much told her, like, either you get rid and we go back to training, or you have this baby and you figure it out. Is it Olympics? Yeah. Wow. And uh, Atlanta then? Atlanta or wrong it was the tiny barcelona 92 no i was born in 92 and i know she said she was in training um damn and i know that like she was like yeah it was just it was it was no brainer <laughs> it was a no brainer i was having a kid um you know so like my mother's my mother's athletics my mother's sacrifices like a lot of those things like me learning that at an early age without her telling me and then me coming back and finding out because she has four other sisters and a baby brother. But um, I've also seen how athletics has brought critical relationships and engagement, community engagement when it comes to her as a parent and how much her village like took care of me when she couldn't you know, be there all the time because of work and demands. Mm -hmm. So um, the UCLA camp, I was messing up in school bad, bro. Like to the point where I lost a whole project, a rock project and <laughs> didn't replace the rock project. So I got an F and I remember it was a, bad bad like I remember my mother came up to the school and she was just like what the hell is you doing like it's a rock project I'll never forget she was like it's a rock project bro you could have literally picked up some more rocks analyzed them and then presented them she was like but you just don't get it because you don't care and she, I, I just remember being in the back seat and hearing because the infamous and this is how I knew it was about to go down when I got home the infamous nah Ari because I worked too damn hard for him to be bringing piss poor grades and I knew that those three flights of stairs up to the apartment, <laughs> I already knew what song was gonna come on on that on that speed changer, and I, I knew it was to go down. And it was just like, well, dog, you you could have replaced the rocks, like you literally, yeah, yeah, middle yeah. school, bro. But um, after that, she let me go to this UCLA football camp because she had already paid for it, and my uncle got us the discount. Mm -hmm. I was only allowed to do one day, um, and I was only allowed to do one day because there was a coach there who was the running backs coach at the time by the name of Eric Bieniemy, And he knew my mother and they knew each other. He was at Colorado. So they used to always play that game. She was an athlete. He had homeboys that were bros. So he used to always come up to Nebraska, um, the mighty eight district. So it's crazy because New Mexico is in the eight district as well. So mm -hmm. I ended up pledging and being in the AD as well while he's here. Um, so it was a, it was an amazing moment, but um, I just remember like him pulling me to the side and was like, "Yeah, you look great in this camp. You're killing it. You know, stop being. You can't be this physical because y'all ain't got pads on." But I like I like your energy, you know. So he started talking to me about school, 
And he was like, so how's your grades? And my mother, before I could even say anything, be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I was honest. He pulled me out the camp. Like, this is a three-day camp, bro. He pulled me out after day one. Pulled me to the side, started talking to me about school. He started talking to me, and um, he was like, man, what you need to realize is, like, there's there's things more important than this. You got to realize that if you really want to get here, you might not like school, but you got to see it through. You got to figure it out. You got to make a way. And I'm hearing all these different things, and as a kid, I'm just like, okay, like, I, I guess, but... I was always around it. I was always around it. There was always somebody like it was one of the most critical moments because this is literally a college coach telling me I'm not recruitable. I got talent, but I have no grades. And I knew what I was capable of. I knew what I was capable of. So when it came to that, um, high school, met more bros. When I was at Berkeley, you know, I played like when I was at Berkeley, it was really critical. It was a real critical moment because. A lot of the black student athletes, specifically football players, really never went to black events and they weren't pledging. They weren't doing anything. Mm -hmm. The only time we would go was parties. Mm -hmm. And I have no problem admitting that because it's all about growth and learning. Mm -hmm. And I just remember, bro, like one time being called out, like they was just like, yo, we just found nooses in, in our libraries across the UC systems. And we're trying to do a silent protest. Everybody wear all black coach at the time got a wind of it and told us brought all the black athletes in and was like hey if I catch y'all here y'all getting y'all scholarships taken we will not be protesting we will not be doing and at 18 I'm just like well you know boss man says we're not doing that that's what we can't do so my hands mm -hmm. are tied and you know I'm just like man at, and now I look back at it and I'm just like bro was really you know putting us in a box and making us conform to ourselves but it wasn't until some of my teammates actually started pledging and I'm like, dang, so I'm seeing them balance. I'm seeing them being starters, but they're also pledging and they're not getting in trouble, or at least I thought they weren't getting in trouble, but they're not getting in trouble in the public eye. And when I finally got to, uh, you know, New Mexico, that was the only chapter, truthfully, that was doing a lot of community service, like had so many different community service events. And for me, I didn't need to pledge to, you know, get women to be at parties for, for validation. I'm a football player. And at this time, I'm a black man in Albuquerque, New Mexico that plays football. Like, Talk about it. Bro. Talk about it. I don't really need friends if, mm -hmm. if we're keeping it a buck. And I didn't have to pay for this. It's just my talent, you know? But for me personally, I was just like, you know, I'm sort of tired of just being around football. I'm sort of tired of us getting in the same trouble, uh, not being able to really be in a space, especially because I was just like, damn, I'm around football players in the same struggle, but I'm trying to ask them for advice on the same stuff they struggling just like me on. How are they gonna be able to tell me anything else different? And if that's the case, why they ain't telling me earlier? So, you know, me seeing the bros and seeing them in so many different spaces and so many different lights in New Mexico, I was like, oh yeah, I've been on, I wanna do this. And then I knew Eric Bienemy was the bros at the time too. So I was like, oh, it's, 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 it's written. Like, this is what it's supposed to be. And then plus, I'm not gonna lie, they wasn't wearing suits. They wasn't looking all clean and everything. I'm seeing the shingling, <laughs> the gold boots, the cut t-shirts. I'm like, well, shoot. That's how I dress like almost on a daily basis. You know, when I don't got to go to class, I was like, sign me up. Le less clothing? Oh, bad. Like, <laughs> we in this thing. And man, that was like, 
the 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 best that was the best part of it was just it was something I grew around um it really embodied the community service that I was looking for it really embodied the community that I was looking for the relationships and on top of that like I had so many guys around me pro fights especially that stayed on my ass like I used to sit there bro and just be like I could have swore I got an ace and a tray why y'all not on they tails like the way y'all on mine? Like, Vassal is, I don't want to, nah. Like, I just, Robert Rules, or I don't want to do none of this, you know? But it, it, it taught me so much, man. It taught me really how to navigate education, believe it or not. It taught me how to navigate administrators, um, relationships, and just across the board of just being more than just Trayvon, the football player, you know? That's, that. I really needed that at that time. I needed to be more than just this damn jersey. Yeah, I wish more athletes were were introduced and or decided to pledge D9. I know part of that is systemic and structural with head coaches and power and power and whatnot. Um, but Amanda did a great job at this at UMass when she was there, but bringing you know MPHC and athletics together mm -hmm. uh, because it's it's wide open, man. That's one of the reasons why I even got into this space because I had athletes at um, South Carolina like, Yo, Tim, how I pledge AKA like how I pledge. I want to do this. And I was, you know, I'm a Sigma. So I'm like, yo, like I can put you in contact with chapter president. You know what I mean? But it was definitely something that um, right. is, is beneficial. And I think both have its positives, both has its challenges, but combined, I mean, you are really a well-rounded and un unstoppable, undefeated human in this world. Man, I try to be, bro. It don't be feeling like it at times. I feel like, like, come on, you know that already. You know <laughs> I mean, that. I'm getting my ass kicked right now. What, what Adrian Bonner said? Man, I'm out here getting cooked. We're <laughs> here on the struggle bus, but I'm learning, bro. Like, like I said before, it's about embracing that process, man. And I mean, <laughs> at this point, take your pick on whatever process you want to talk about. But it's just like you got to see it through. You got to make sure that you're keeping your head above water and, and, and that it's not unbowed, you know. And I think that's that's the biggest piece, man, of just everything that I've touched, everything that I've been through. Um, I've tried my best to allow myself to feel every emotion with it, you know, and really just take that in and understand myself so I can give myself some caution, some boundaries, but also know, okay, this is the time that you need to start pressing on the gas a little bit more to get to where you're truly trying to get. It's too much? Yeah. I mean, it's EQ 101. It's free game for anyone listening. Like, yeah. feel everything, feel all of it, feel it, and then and, and, uh, respond to it as accordingly. But one of the emotions that you did feel, and I'm curious as to, as to why, is you finding, creating your scholarship. Yes. The Impact Scholarship. And you had put a tweet, I couldn't find it, which is surprising, but couldn't find it, about, like, alumni engagement, right, with athletes giving back and former Black students giving back. And many people can do that in different ways, right? Whether that's volunteer roles, whether that's service, mentorship, whatever. But you literally took the institutional steps, <laughs> navigated the institutional bureaucracy, either as much or as little there was at New Mexico, to start your own scholarship. Yeah. Why? Especially especially because were you involved in anything with the African-American uh, Services Center? So that's a big part of the why. It's a big okay. Part. Okay. You talk to me then. Talk to me. Yeah. Well, why? I think one of the first things I remember was when I was at Berkeley, um, our, our uh, baseball team got cut along with some other sports because of lack of funding. Huh. And I'll never forget hearing about it, knowing some of the baseball players, mind you, one of my roommates played baseball 
and he played on the football team. Um, and hearing about them getting cut and how guys were going to pretty much have to leave because they couldn't afford Berkeley and all this other stuff. And my mind at 17 was, well, it ain't me. It ain't football. And just went on with my day. And was just like, just so just cold about it. This was like, well, it ain't football. So, you know, sorry. Like, I wish the best for y'all. And like, I remember how that impacted them because that was the year they went to the College World Series. Same year? Same year. Mind you, they're cut. They cut their budget. So boosters put up $5 million for the season. $5 million, just like that. And then you had to find more money, I believe, to get them to the College World Series. And then they had this Cinderella story to where they went all the way to Omaha and lost. So that was my first like peep of, damn, like, you just got $5 million just sitting around, like, just like that. I'm like, that's all it took, you know? So that was my first time hearing and like listening and, and hearing, you know, Sandy Barber and, and other folks talk about the importance of alumni engagement. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, this is what it does. This is the impact that alumni engagement has, that we were able, even though we cut this sport and some other sports, we still have one of the most historical finishes in Cal baseball history. It was on somebody else's dime, but athletics. So that's really what got my mind. Like that was the first time I was just like, dang, I want to make money like that. So I could give back and, you know, do things like this. Cause you never know who, who might be in need. True. So um, fast forward, when it came down to the pandemic, this was a time where I was already trying to think about how can I give back? What are effective ways? What can I do? Um, I'll still never forget my first time to the beach was at 17 years old um, and that was senior ditch day mind you bro I'm from California I said you from LA yeah you from LA <laughs> so the beach is only 30 35 minutes just was never taken just never really went like it just never had a field trip there never was taken from my community to the beach because mm -hmm. it was so far I was always told it was so far like, and I remember senior ditch day, you know, like every other senior ditch day, I was just really ducked off on sand. Like I was just amazed that there was sand underneath my feet. There's all this body of water. Like mm -hmm. it was one of the most, like, it was one of the most life-changing moments in my life. Cause I was just like, damn, this is right outside of my community. Literally if I fight through the 405 traffic and all this stuff, it's right here. But all I got in my community, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. we still there are tracks like, you know, we're, we're still putting chalk or chalk around the tracks and stuff. The grass mm -hmm. ain't even all that good. Like mm -hmm. we got divots and, and ain't nobody trying to take care of our stuff, you know, mm -hmm. and it sort of angered me. But at the same time, it was just like this peaceful moment of just like, damn, like, OK, this is pretty cool. And I always from there started finding ways to sort of find an escape. But then it was just started hitting my mind of like, OK. What was there that something that I can do to give back? And I always had this assumption that I needed money. Like I had to, it had to be my money. Um, so when we started looking at the scholarship, I was writing it down. Um, I was, you know, putting the idea together. Um, mind you, you know, I, and I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'll be real. I have a real, I have a real, I'm, I'm going through something right now where I'm trying to build my confidence and see value in me and see myself in a space that 
adds more. Um, so it was really a lot of negative thoughts of like, ain't nobody going to give money off based off of who I am. Nobody's mm-hmm. going to get me off of that. It's a pandemic. People are going to probably look at me like I'm crazy. But in my head, I'm sitting here thinking about being an academic advisor and thinking about how I have to how I had to help kids find scholarships because their parents kicked them out because they came out to their parents or, you know, they have an addiction or there was something going on where it just wasn't the safest place for them and they needed housing or they lived in their car or shelter or they just needed something so they didn't have to get this job so that they can take this class. Mm -hmm. And seeing all these damn GPA requirements, what you had to be, who you had to be, the, uh, the, um, attend the, the application deadline, like all these things we sitting here going through scholarships. And I'm like, first off, this is piss poor marketing because why is nobody showing us these scholarships? Why is nobody talking about these scholarships with our department? We're the psychology department in the college of arts and sciences. We have the biggest amount of students and there's no programming that's letting these students know about these scholarships. And then you think you found a scholarship and it goes to, well, that one is no longer. So why is it on the website still? Why, why, why each time I click, it says page 404, not fat. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? So I got back into my emotions, got me started getting wild up about that. And then I started thinking about my institute, my, my alma mater, my institution, and how they used to always send. And UNM, if you ever hear this, I love y'all, but sending me an ebook called The Mirage and then follow that up with asking for a money donation is not relationship building. It is not helping. It does not make me want to give money, especially if my experience at the university was not that great. So what are we really trying to get here? You know, so it was just like, I would just see all these different things and and it just started raising my curiosity. And then I hated that each time that I would talk to somebody about starting a scholarship, the biggest question I got, Tim, are you... You play football though, right? Yes. And you don't want to make it a donation towards scholarships for football? No, I don't. I understand there are students that may need that with the Olympic sports headcounts and all that, but there are students that need that. Mm -hmm. Like $1,000 is really something that's going to be able to change. Mm -hmm. So going through all those thoughts and emotions, I still remember in April, um, I started writing it out. I started writing out what it needs to look like, um, what were the requirements, the essay, everything. And then I reached out to my homegirl, who I love her to death, Brandy Stone. She's the director over at African American Student Services, also a Zeta, Newtown, notorious Newtown chapter. And we started chopping it up. And she was just like, well, how about we figure this out together? So we got on a phone call with the UNM Foundation. I told them what I wanted to do. Of course, I got hit with the same question. Are you sure you don't want to do this with football? I said, no, because if I did, they will be on the call with me. We have African-American student services on the call. I want the scholarship to be ran through them. What's the scholarship's name? So I just had it as the impact scholarship. Um, I just had it as the impact scholarship. And um, I, I was hit with the, you know, maybe you should put your name in it to not only have that, you know, piece of ownership, but people actually might be more appealed or more uh, interested in donating because they know whose name is in front of it. So I was just like, I guess, like, 
seeing my name ain't really going to, in my case, it really, like, we're here for this, you know, the individuals making progress amongst our communities together. That's not enough, you know, so um, put my name in front of it. And then it became the biggest question, how are we going to look for donations in a pandemic? And that's how I started the, you know, 100 times 10 um, to get the $1,000 a semester. I just need 100 people to donate 10 bucks. That's all I'm asking is just for $10. If you can donate more than 10, cool. If you can retweet, if you can share, but it was just me going every single day. And then adding the element of, well, why don't we do merchandise? Well, I don't got money to do merchandise, but Teespring is going to take a little cut so we can do it through Teespring. Mm -hmm. um, it was just once again, with all the different experiences that I've had of making something out of what started as nothing, um, it was how do I use the resources that I have currently and build from there? And then as we're building from there, we'll figure out the rest of this. We'll, we'll get on top of this. We'll figure out how to make sure we're, we're telling people, you know, A, see if your business or if your employee will do a, a matching contribution in all these things. And um, we started that April, 2020. Um, we've been able to give out two scholarships of a thousand dollars. And that's been like the biggest part of it. You know, I did it because I knew that I was reluctant to not have any debt in undergrad or not having to pay for that and always finding a way to get it paid for in my talents. But also when I worked in advisement and when I worked with African-American student services, I saw the other side and the reality of students and how much they're struggling. And just because they're not athletes doesn't mean that the world for them is just easy. Like, oh, you can just go to class and you can do this or you got the lottery scholarship. Like some of these cats either lost the lottery scholarship or they're out of state and they didn't get it. So that's why I was also intentional about making sure that it was an out of state scholarship. You need 20 hours of community service over the two semesters. And some people was like, well, how they how how are they gonna do that if they can just take the money and leave? Uh-uh. We'll give you that 500 in the fall. You get some of your hours, make sure that you're showing your face around the African American student services, and then you get the rest of your money in the spring, you know. And we've had no problem with that. And it's actually helped those students get to understand and learn more about D9, about community organizations, about service, about all these different spaces that you can get community hours in, even in a pandemic safely programming black cultural conference like two of my two of my recipients have done so much community service with or outside of african-american student services but it's all connected because in new mexico is such a small black community um so it was just making sure that it was purposeful and then what we're going to do this year is everybody that's donated i'm going to reach out to them and i'm going to send them a zoom link and it's pretty much this student is going to present how this scholarship helped who they are, what they're looking to do. And this is how they're looking to move forward with their career at UNM and further than that. And the reason why I wanted to do that was because you never know who's on these calls. Like you never know who can say, oh, like I'm a whole physical therapist here at Oshner. Let me reach out to this young lady because she's in exercise science and she wants to do PT or OT school. I donated to this scholarship. Let me reach out to this young woman um, or, or this young, young man. So it was really just about, okay, how do we keep moving forward? How do we keep the community in it? But then also, how do we have a scholarship from somebody that's alumni? And hopefully it starts and inspires other people to do the same thing. You ain't gotta donate to my scholarship. Hell, make your own. Make your own scholarship if that's the case. And um, it was something that I thought was like impossible. And then when I really started embracing the process and not looking at the results and taking step by step, I was just like, bruh, this is doable. So at this point, 
I haven't really told many people, so I'll say it on here. We got about four more years to get $25,000, um, $25,000 to make it into an endowment. That way that's gonna create more interest, it's gonna bring in more so that we can move this beyond a scholarship and it's actually something that's stable funding and can help with African-American student services. Um, out of that $25,000, I think we're at 7K over the last over the over the last two years and that's after distributing two thousand dollars for a scholarship so we get in there it's gonna be i just had a call yesterday so we about to do a, some some reconstructing and moving some stuff around so that we can get some bigger donations but man we we as you say we walk in bro like we taking it step by step and trying to make it happen because that's what it's all about you know that's what it's all about i, I love my university i love the kids and i think I really started loving and appreciating my university when I became a grad student and I got to do more outside of football. I got to explore more of those spaces. And that's what truly helped me understand and identify what I was truly passionate about. Phenomenal work, bro, first and foremost, like for real. Because even you, as a matter of fact, I think I first came across the Twitter profile because of the scholarship. Like people are like retweeting it and liking it, whatever tweet it was, uh, which is how I came across your page. But seeing your scholarship and even now hearing you talk about it, I want to start my own. I'm going to start my own. Bro, please uh, do. I don't know what school, because I don't like any of my undergrads. South Carolina, y'all, right? I don't, we going to figure out where. Hey, and I'll, I'll put it like this, bro. I'll put it like this, because I've, I'm, I've been UNM. I've only had the experience to only be UNM. But I had to understand how to separate the school from the actual people that I met. And for me personally, that's sort of how it was for me with education. Not a big fan of education, not a big fan of the system, the, the courses, the rigor, the risk, the, the, the systematic oppression with it, the mm -hmm. sometimes ignorance, all I'm not a fan of it. But what I am a fan of is when you find something, you find your people, you get your resources, you get these type of experiences, you get these type of moments. Oh, I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna show this shit up. I'm gonna <laughs> all right, you're making it. I'm I'm so it, it makes that difference between am I donating, am I doing this scholarship in the love of you and them and my university, or am I doing this because of the people that I know are coming after me? It's that, and that's why I looked at it as that bridge builder concept. That's why I say individuals making progress amongst our communities. No matter how much I like it or not, UNM is always within my social capital, whether I use mm -hmm. it or not, because mm -hmm. I went there and I mm -hmm. had the advantage, I had the tools, I can go to career services at any time. But what it also helped me understand is, well, that means I also got all this access to these students. All I've done at, since I've been at UNM was have access to students. It was to a point where I even had office hours in the African-American Student Services when I was a psychology mm -hmm. department advisor because they were just like, A, some of the students couldn't find the psychology department. B, they didn't want to interact. I was two, two of like 30 something. No, I'm lying to like a hundred something on staff in the psychology department that were black. Mm -hmm. um, that were black. Um, so it was very like, uh, I ain't really trying to go over there. If I get lost, somebody gonna say, how sure. can I, you know, mm -hmm. all these different I was like, well, shoot, let me meet them where they at. Like, I'll come over there, just give me a room two days out of the week. I'll stay over there for two and a half hours. My supervisor signed off on it. And this is how we gonna make this impact over here, you know? So. Bro, I, I, but I had that same thing, like, man, I don't want to donate to UNM. Like, what they do for me? Okay. And then, like, you know what, though? If I keep that mindset, this is the only time that I appreciate UPS. You know, what can Brown do for you? What can... 
<laughs> what can y'all? How can I set the stage for y'all to understand? Y'all need to make these moments critical too. So, man, it really was for the students. It's really for the students. Like, I know sometimes I'll be sitting there saying FDK, and people be like, what does FDK mean? And I'll just be like, fuck them kids. But yeah, yeah. this picture, I love these kids. Like, I, I love these young men and young women. And that's the part of the scholarship that, like, really made me keep going because I don't have no conversation with the UNM Foundation. Like, yeah. I go to Brandy and just be like, hey, where are we at? What can yeah. I move on? Did this donor make this contribution because they DM'd me? What are we at? That's my only conversation with them because, like I said earlier, his poor marketing. You can't tell somebody or say that you're exposing people to something if you don't talk about it, if you don't showcase mm -hmm. it. Oh, shit. We're going to showcase it, even if it's on my individual page. Like it's to a point now where I'm starting to think maybe I should make an individual page for it and start taking that social media piece bigger. But, you know, once again, it's me just trying to mentally prepare myself for the next step. Right. So, yeah, bro, trust me. I went through that when I first thought about starting the scholarship. Like, I'm really about to do something with UNM, dog. Man, we're going to talk about it because I got four schools. I got, I could, well, first five of my high school, I could choose from the private high school, could choose from, but I'm like, maybe do I start my own shit? Just run through Walker TFB. I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about this. I know, but uh, we'll we'll chat offline about it because she has something called the Black Mills um program where it helps people start scholarships at their university and yeah. you know, grant and funding and Elsie Brown um from Winthrop. So oh we'll yeah, she got she got she went to Maryland. Oh yeah, see, yeah, bro. She was also yeah. used to be starting a scholarship too. Like some of the stuff she exposed me and put me on, even though I started the scholarship beforehand. Um I was like, oh, dang, let me go back and look at this again, just based off of our 30 minute conversations. So, yeah, yeah she is. She, she went to Maryland from her master's program. But segment three, which is a perfect tie in, which is how can we best support you um, in the, the Trey Juan Briggs Community Impact Scholarship? Yeah, man, I think the, the best way that um, y'all can support me is just, you know, a um, teach me. Like that's 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 the biggest thing, whether it's about scholarships, whether it's about community, whether it's about education, whether it's about something that I tweeted. And, you know, I'm literally asking for more people to to, you know, explain it. Um, just teach me like that's that's all I want. Like, I know this is going to sound so dumb, bro. But you said we can say anything that we want on here. Don't worry. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> today I was on the bus and we was getting back to New Orleans. And it randomly hit me because my mind works so randomly. And if you look at my tweets, you can see that my mind works very random. And I don't really have like, I, I keep it professional. I don't cuss, but I got, I can get you with some zingers in there. But uh, in my head, I was like, dang, when people take milk baths, do they use, and then I was like, do they use like, you know, and I thought of the SpongeBob meme where he doing the hand like this. And I was just like, do they use, you know, and then like, I was like, do they use 2% milk? Like is people bathing in 2% milk when they do these milk bath pictures and they put their kids in these milk baths? Like, did we not grow from that? Like, are we not doing almond, oat milk, soy? And bro, I just started going down this whole path and I was just like, hold on, let me bring it back. Let me put this tweet in the draft we saw it before somebody- Yeah, like, yeah, put that put in the draft. Yeah, like before somebody be like, yo, you good, bro? Like, what's going on? It's Saturday. I know you in New Orleans. What's going on? But I'm just like, I'm just curious. I'm just a, if, if it comes to my mind, I want to know. I, yeah. I want to know. And I think that has helped me learn so much more, like just about myself, about folks, especially this is the first school I'm at with no football. 
here at the University of New Orleans. So sure. I work with majority, predominantly our, our female student athletes. Mm -hmm. It's a different conversation than what I've had with a 17, mm -hmm. 18 year old young man. Mm -hmm. I have to take in feelings a little bit more. I have to take in how I approach. I have to take in, hey, you, I'm only going to take what you give me. Mm -hmm. And then I really want to know, please teach me, please help me understand, help me get through this. Um, but I just love to be taught, man. Um, I think that's the best way to support somebody is always helping them understand that there's more to the picture, to the bigger picture. Um, if I ever felt like I'm in a room that I can't learn in, I probably need to leave that room. You feel me? Cause that's not where I need to be. Um, cause I, I'm afraid of being content. The other thing is supporting the scholarship. Um, you know, please donate your 10 bucks. I'm never, I'm never going to ask nobody for more than $10. Like I'm going to keep asking somebody for 10 bucks and I ain't going to sit there and be like, man, come on, bro. It's just like, it's just a funky ass 10. Like, no, nah, bro, that 10 is it, going to help. Like your little funky ass 10 is going to help us make something bigger over, over time in the big picture. So it's really about for me, man, at this point, when it comes to support is teaching me, and, and supporting others through what I got through my endeavors. You know, those, those are my two biggest things right now. And um, I feel like both of those things are doable. Like, I'm, I'm never going to ask for much. I'm never going to ask for much, which I don't think none of your listeners have. Like, everybody has doable things when, they, when you ask that question. But mm -hmm. just teach me. Just teach me because I'm here to learn. And I'll include a link to your scholarship as well for those who um, chose to give. It'll be in the description to this podcast episode for us to give but before we bounce you know these quick hitters are coming mm -hmm. your favorite sports memory oh man my favorite sports memory <laughs> so I really thought about this one recently I think my favorite sports memory was when I took third place in the 200 um and it was awkward because I'm running and then um De'Anthony Thomas mm -hmm. who or right legend went to Oregon mm -hmm. younger than me so I think I was in like lane six or uh, no 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 I was in lane seven bro was in lane six and then there was another cat by the name of Tevin Carter who was in lane five and you know when you come off that 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 uh curve mm -hmm. hit you in the back and you start then you really see where you're at you know mm -hmm. so I remember just seeing these two dudes just in inside of me just like moving and they going neck to neck and I remember running I'm just like damn like Tevin really about to get this fool and everything. And then in an instant moment, I was like, wait, dog, you're still running this. Like, <laughs> I was like, you gotta go. So I ended up taking third place, making it to the state meet, uh, purposely scratched. I will admit that now after so many years, I purposely scratched because I was just like, we still got a whole four by four, bro. You're not about to, I'm not about to get embarrassed tonight. Like yeah. we're gonna do hundred. I'm just going to stick in the four by four. But oddly enough, out of all the things that I've accomplished in, in my sport, um, that has to be the top tier moment because the commentating in my head at that time, like I remember just being like, damn, like they really going, oh my there gosh, going. everything. And I had just that moment of like, hold on, bro. Like you still running too. So yes, that was by far my top one. That, and I know that sounds so horrible, but it shoot that was a good ass race i don't care what nobody no, said no, that ain't horrible and anthony thomas he was fast as hell bro what yeah that's a fast dude top five artists top five artists no rank just top five oh, okay so you already know 
I ain't heard one bad blast song. So that's 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 right up there. I ain't gonna say number one or whatever, but blast is for sure somebody right now that I'm just like, yeah, like oh. every time I hear that, sheesh, I'm like, oh yeah, here we go. He can, he can go. He can go. Um, so that's that's one. Um I would say whew, this is gonna sound, you know. Ashanti okay. is in my top five. Ashanti, Ashanti bless. Your assassin is in my top five because, and, and I'll give it to her and Monica. Monica's like, for some reason, so gone is like. Wow, this is good. Okay. Like the hood anthem for me. Okay. okay. So gone. I mean, sorry, Monica, Ashanti, bless. This is an interesting list. Those are, those are, those are, I got two more. Um, I would say Nip. Nip, I actually did a, uh, I did a uh, dedication to him in my thesis because there was so many times, uh, honestly, me and my son fell asleep to blue laces. Yeah. Uh, like when I had to put him to sleep and start working on my thesis, blue laces was on softly in the background. I don't know what it was, but it like made Isaiah fall asleep on repeat. Wow. And I just kept playing that song like throughout the whole process, throughout the whole time. Like the marathon continues is something that I really, you know, I live with. And then the fifth one is Nas. Um, so a lot of people don't know. My son's name is Isaiah Nazir Briggs. And, um, you know, the, the Nazir part um, really, really does come from, you know, a, a part of it is because of, you know, being, being my helper, being my support, you know, all those things that it means in Hebrew. But then also um, Nazir Jones, like Illmatic, like all that ether, like my mother played Nas and she was the one that really showed me the art of storytelling. Yeah. My mom mom was one of the types that's just like, yeah, I don't want to hear all that. Like I grew up in a house that was really big on Nas, Foxy Brown, Lil' Kim, Biggie. And then my mom, for some reason, always played Betty Wright's Tonight is the Night. Um, so it was always those stories. Like, I always heard storytelling in the, in the music that my mother chose. So if she ever was like, okay, you could play some music, I knew that it couldn't be just some, you know, some BS. Um, Bullshit, no. So those are my five. But those, those are my five, my top five. Yeah, your mom needs to meet my mom and vice versa. Because my mom put me on Jay-Z. Oh, yeah. And, and Tupac. Blueprint. My mom got ready. She had the 25 CD disc changer. Bro, so yes, bro. Like well, she had Usher A701. Like I still got my I still got my mama's 8701 CD, confession CD. And I think I got a I think I got blueprint too. The hard copy. Your mama loves you. She won't let me get none of the tape. No, 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 no. She didn't give that to me. Oh, okay. You know okay. what I'm saying? She gonna she gonna hit this podcast too. I see over went over winter break. Yeah, I, I just got it. <laughs> my bad, mom. It's my bad. Hey, what what Shannon Sharp said? No problem. Ain't no problem. <laughs> nah, yeah, she she did not give them. Uh, second to last question: If you you could go to brunch, you plus five people, who you bringing? You know what, man? I'm gonna have fun with this one because it's I've heard some different ones, and I was like, man, I want some people that I really like want to be able to talk shit with. So you first, you first. That'd be funny, all right. My guy, just know when we link up. Just know when we link up. 
the 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 audacity. It, it, it's gonna it's gonna be a great time. So my dog, my dog Tim is in there. Hey, hey, past security. Hey, he's good. He's here. Betty, I appreciate that, yo. Get him a waffle, all that little, all the strawberry, whatever he wants on that thing. That's my guy. Put it on my tab. So you number one. <laughs> you number one. Um, I would have to say number two. Um, it's gonna have to be Khalees. It's gonna have to be Khalees. And I want to say Khalees because Milkshake was a banger, but then me seeing her now and her turnover with just like farming and natural products and all these things that she'd be doing on her Instagram, like growing all vegetable, like her piece and everything. I'm just like, bro, her energy is just so dope, like all this stuff. And she's still so beautiful to me, but I'm just like, yeah, Khalees definitely has to be there because the agriculture in her, like she'll make sure, hey, I got some extra peppers over here. If you want to put in the, in the shrimp and grits, like we will have time with it. So she's definitely in there. Um, I will have to say number three, Ooh, this is tough. This is tough. I'll probably say number three is going to be, um, dang, do I like him enough to have him there? I will have to say number three will have to be early 2000s Ray Lewis. This is interesting. Okay, that's been good. So Ray Lewis Khalees, myself. Okay. Bring energy. He's gonna, he's the person that if you remember Ray Lewis's pregame speeches, that's gonna be the pregame speech for the pregame, for the turn up. Like interesting brunch. Okay. Brunch, but Ray Lewis. Role. Hold on. So Ray Lewis, Khalees, myself. And you got two more people, including you. Well, outside of you. Oh, snap. I thought I, I thought I only had one more. So two more people outside of me. Yeah. Um, I have to say the second person is my great grandmother, Miss Irene George, um, just because once again, I think that was the connection for Khalees too. I grew up like helping my grandmother plant, um, mm. you know, get her collard greens. She used to send me to the store to go grab her PBRs and slide me the $10 and stuff. And folks used to be, oh, you, you Miss George's uh, grandson? Yeah, here you go. Like, and let her know, you know, if she can, if she wants some crab legs next week. We're gonna get a new shipment in because that's that's the gumbo queen right there. Like my great grandmother, um, she's from the Caribbeans, but you know, I've when I when I was old enough to drink, I'll put it this way: I was old enough to drink, and I had my first drink with my great grandmother, and I ended up having to sleep in the living room because she gave me some brandy that, you know. Oh, I was, Ain't big dog, and I'm seeing over here. I'm seeing over here looking at her on glass too, and she was like, "Yeah, baby, this is what I be putting in the eggnog." And I'd be like, "Oh, you are a criminal. <laughs> this is not like you, man." So Miss Irene George is definitely pulling up because she's gonna be a good time. She's gonna make sure everybody's good, taken care of, and she might have a little bit of, you know, a little bit of brandy or something in the duffy. So, you know, she's definitely gonna be there. And I'll have to say um number five number five bro to be honest because i don't really i like people i don't like people that much you know but i like people so number five would probably have to be somebody that like one of y'all probably brought like y'all hit me with mm -hmm. the bro is it cool if you know my partner come or you mm -hmm. know home girl they cool so number five is really like me trusting y'all and y'all good vibes to bring that fifth person on um so right. i'm gonna I can only give you that strong four and then, you know, protection through association. I'm going to trust that the fifth one 
is going to be able to contribute to this to this this brunch as well. So, yeah. uh, res respect, respect. We well, already know the last question, bro. Who you want to see on the pod? Who's taking a walk with us next? Dang, man. Um, who do I want to see on the pod, bro? There's so many different people, um, and I just feel like through all the people that you've explored, you've put me on to, like, this podcast has put me on to so many other different people in so many different spaces where I was just like, dang, like. Wait till, ne wait till next season, bro. We got to be. Bro. Yeah. You know you're going to be getting more voice messages from me about it. You know, I'm Man, look, wait till. I'm trying to think, who do I want on the pod? And I'm mad because the time that I was ready to be asked this question, you had him on the, you had him on the pod, Dr. Willis. So I was just like, God dang, like that was the one person. And then you hit me with the, the, the surprise. So mm -hmm. I was just like, dang, who else could it be? Um, I will probably say, keep it a buck, Chelsea. I want, I want to hear Chelsea Brown on the podcast. Um, because Chels, man, the way we met and the relationships is so dope. And I'll just say this one thing, because of the community impact scholarship because of meeting me meeting chelsea at the time that i met her we were able to get a kid that she was teaching at a high school to the university of new mexico mm. like he literally told chelsea i want to go to the university of new mexico and i want to play football and she was like i know somebody at new mexico and he was like no you don't she's like the lobos and he was like yeah he reached out to me and me and this young man, like we chop it up. We did his summer bridge application together. He took his visit like through and through. So that's why I'm very also very passionate about alumni engagement because it's like, I don't live in DC. I don't live in Maryland. I don't live in New Mexico either. But just because she knew that I went there and the way I represent the university, she trusted her own student, you know, to put me in contact with this kid and we made it work, you know, and I believe he's going into his freshman year now um, mm -hmm. at UNM. So Chelsea is definitely the person that I would love to hear on this call, uh, on, on this podcast, because she's doing so many amazing different things. And then especially with the Black Greek Fest, like, mm -hmm. I was just, yo, she's, she's killing it. Um, but that's the person I, I would love to hear from because she has such an exciting story and just the way that she's navigating through it all. I'm just like, yeah, that's that's something that people need to hear. They need to hear more stories like this. Chelsea, we coming. She around the corner, too. So for Chelsea, we coming. Trayvon, hit her up. Before sure. we go, man, any last words you want to share with the people? Um, I think my last words and everything that I end off with, bro, is just win with integrity. You know, it, it's sometimes <laughs> it's the toughest. Um, and sometimes doing the best thing ain't always the right thing. Like, it, it is hard to, to sometimes decipher that. Uh, but just win with integrity, be true, stay stay on the course and understand that it's going to be days that it knocks you off course. But that's why you get up. That's why you get up. And hopefully you got them guarding rails there, wherever your faith is, wherever you believe your beliefs. And you just keep pushing, bro. Just keep pushing. Bros and sisters, all y'all just keep pushing, win with integrity um, and, and just just keep being blessed, man. And keep walking with this with this brother here. Keep walking with my dog over here, man, because it's, it's it's helpful. It, it really is inspiring. I appreciate that, homie. I appreciate that. Well, I gotta say this. You know, I told you there's other shit that I found. Good stuff at that. But it's now what December 11, 2021. 
Mm-hmm. You pen you publish this at least December 17, 2018. This could come from Facebook, come from Twitter, not playing. But on your medium page, you said confidence. Go out there and live out your purpose. Don't feel like you're doing too much, but instead figure out how to make everything come together. It's okay to dream, but it's even better if you act upon them. Confidence. Keep dreaming, bro. Damn. Keep dreaming, TB. Hey, man, cut this before you give me emotional, bro. Keep dreaming, bro. Three, three <laughs> years ago, man, everyone else, but before I let my man cry on the pod, you're first. <laughs> Thank uh, y'all for tuning in. Thank y'all for tuning in to another episode. Look forward to having more filter conversation with authentic educators throughout the rest of the season. Um, but as always, walk with me. <laughs>